0: On the evening of uh, December 16th, our sanctuary choir and an orchestra is going to present Handel's Messiah. And we have done this in the past. It is a, an amazing uh, piece of work, and our, our choir does a wonderful job with it. Uh, Handel, was given the words. The words that are completely made up of scripture. And he, on uh, the 22nd of August of that year, in his home in London, he became so absorbed in... Uh, this new venture of setting it to music and orchestrating it, that he hardly stopped for food. Uh, within six days, part one, which contained the Old Testament prophecies of Christ, uh, Luke's account of the angels and the shepherds, and the summary of Messiah's mich- uh, mission, was completed. Six days. By the way, that's the the portion that we will will have, sometimes called the the Christmas section. Nine days later, he had finished part two that dealt with Christ's suffering and death. And uh, six days later, he finished part three, which uh, that section is uh, setting forth the glory of Christ the future hopes of his people, and so on. Within two more days, Handel had orchestrated the whole work. In all, 260 pages of manuscript had been filled in only 24 days. You want to see something amazing, look up on, online what it looked like that he, he wrote out. Uh, the idea of even copying something like that in that space of time uh, is almost unbelievable. Later, he was, he was groping for words, talking to one of his friends, trying to describe uh, his experience, and he said, whether I was in the body or out of my body when I wrote it, I know not. And God has used this amazingly. By the way, tomorrow uh, we're going to send out a link that will be the, the first in a series of brief clips that have been put together by uh, Mark Rattray and it will tell more about uh, how this was composed and uh, give you more insight Uh, the whole idea being that uh, we want to we want to get the most out of uh, this evening when it's presented and that's also why we're focusing upon the scripture so uh, you'll you'll get that link if we have your uh, if you're on the city or if we have uh, your email address, if not, call the church office, and uh, we'd be glad to add that and send it out to you. Uh, the first one's about seven minutes long, and it's excellent. You will you will really enjoy, and you'll learn from these. So when there was a, a centenary celebration of Handel's birth at Westminster Abbey, uh, which included a presentation of messiah john newton you may know the name john newton who wrote amazing grace who was a pastor took that occasion and he preached 50 sermons on the scripture that is contained in messiah We won't be doing that, so uh, take heart. But for these next few weeks and on Christmas Eve, we're gonna take portions of those uh, scriptures and we, we will unfold, as it were, uh, the gospel account that is reflected in that. So, this first one before I read from Isaiah 40, uh, we need to understand how we are to uh, look at prophecy when it comes to uh, looking ahead and the scripture and so on. We are uh, on this side of the cross, we are on this side of Jesus, but what about? looking at the Old Testament prophecies that that pointed forward. Well, there's four things you always need to do. You, You need to first look at the author's intention, what he meant to be saying in that day, what he was meant to communicate, and then you look at the immediate audience and what they were going through in order to understand it. And then you need to, when it's prophecy, look forward to uh, the future audience and particularly the New Testament audience and the time of Christ and what those prophecies would have meant at that point. And then fourthly, you look at the present audience in our day. What do these things mean to us? So it's with that context that uh, uh, I want to read this passage from Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and, and cry to her that her warfare is ended that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the deserts a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain." And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. to speak of comfort for your people. And there are those, Lord, there are those sitting here today in need of comfort. There are those that because of something that takes place next week or the week after, will be in need of comfort. In fact, Lord, all of your children have that need. And so we would ask that, that through your word and by your Holy Spirit, you would not just teach us of it, but provide it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's where we begin the need for comfort for God's people. When Messiah is presented, the very first words you will hear sung are comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. And it's from this passage. So why? Why, why would Messiah start with that? Why would we in, in Advent start with that? Isn't this to be a, a, a joyful time? Shouldn't we just uh, focus upon that? Let's look at, uh, first of all, the context and, and see what, what the point of that. Why, why do you begin in that way? He says, comfort, comfort my people. So let me tell you what Isaiah had just said right before uh, this passage in chapter 40. Uh, from chapters 13 through about 34, Isaiah had talked about a, a series of, of judgments of desolations, of tragedies, of things that would take place to the nations around Israel, around Judah. And some of those things were already happening. And then he would say further that you, you too, will experience some of these things. You in the northern kingdom, you in the southern kingdom, God's people. He prophesies basically that that those kingdoms are going to fall like uh, in the future, like Samaria is already falling. In fact, we read in uh, uh, chapter 39, right before, verse 6. Here's what he says is going to happen He says, Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away. So here's a prophecy. And basically, that prophecy was for two centuries later. He's saying, here's what's going to happen. Because you have left me, because of your sin, I'm going to permit another nation to take you captive. And you will not be in your own home any longer. There will be nothing left there. You'll be in captivity. They would be in great need of repentance. But the, this message was for them to read and to know this. That look, even in those difficult times that, that are coming. Some of you feel like you're in difficult times now, he would say. But there's something worse, even worse coming But even in those times, you need to know this. That there is a comfort. Even in the middle of that distress. And so I'm telling you now, before you even enter into that time of distress. I'm telling you of my deep, intimate love for you. And then he goes on in the second verse, telling us that that suffering and difficulty for God's people is not unending. It will have an end. Look at verse 2. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So there's several things here. That, that I want us to take note of. The first is, look, look what he says. He says, speak tenderly. Now let me give you a flavor for what that uh, Hebrew word that is translated speak tenderly, uh, that's the same word that is uh, used in the book of Ruth for how Ruth describes how Boaz spoke to her. Boaz, who she loved and who loved her. So it's, it's from one who loves so much to another, the way they talk to each other, it's saying our God speaks to us of his love. He's whispering, as it were, his love to his people. These are some of Israel's darkest days. Things are collapsing, and according to this, they were actually going to get worse. It's likely that there would be some time where this would go through their mind. Are are we going to go into extinction? Will there be any of us left? Everything we had is gone. We are now in captivity. Will we all just die here? What about God's covenant of redemption? Doesn't he care anymore? Sure, we we weren't faithful, but this? And God is saying, before you even enter into that most difficult time, the worst troubles, know of my love for you. And it's in spite of your behavior God's in essence saying, you deserve to be forgotten. But not only have you not been forgotten, but I'm going to give you comfort. And not only am I going to give you comfort, I'm going to forgive you. Not because you deserve it, but going back to his deep love for them. Look what it says, double from the Lord's hand. That's a, uh, when, I, when I saw that phrase, I, I don't know about you, but it, it reminded me, uh, you know, of the old hymn, be of sin the double cure. Remember that? What was the double cure? Cleanse me from its guilt and power. That's the double cure. And, and, And that's really what he's saying here. You deserve double wrath for the way that you have treated me, God could say. But instead, I'm going to give you a double cure, and I'm going to give you redemption, forgiveness. Forgiveness that you could never earn and you don't deserve. Here we see God God saves not the righteous, but sinners. Now, how could this possibly happen? Well, here we see predicted, prophesied that uh, a greater redemption is announced. Verse 3. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. So at, at that time, remember we need to look at the different audiences. Well, at, at that time, they would have heard that as preparing the way for the redemption that was to come. You know, if, if there are big valleys, if there are uh, uh, difficult ways for, for people to get from here to there, it's saying that road's going to be paved. And it's going to be uh, uh, so that it, that we can flow across that. And the redemption of the Lord is going to come in that way. It will not be hindered now what was he talking about well all four gospels take this passage and all four of them define that as john the baptist we saw it early in the gospel of john but in matthew mark and luke they all quote isaiah here And and they tie it in with John the Baptist. Then, in the Gospel of John that we've been going through, when John is asked, who are you? He quoted from Isaiah here. And he said, that's me. I'm, I'm that voice calling in the wilderness. So what was he announcing? Well, he was making way for the glory of the Lord be revealed when we get to Messiah I, I, I hope you will remember this because we have uh, you know this opening where this tenor will sing of uh, comfort my people it will he'll talk about uh, uh, how the the valleys will be straightened out the highways uh, will uh, be made straight in the desert and so on and then The chorus will come in and the glory of the Lord will be seen. And that's what he's talking about here. Look at verse 5. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So God's plan to comfort, to pardon, and, and to save his people went far beyond anything the Israelites could have imagined. His plan was to send his son to redeem. Now, that was all throughout the Old Testament. But being on that side of the cross before Jesus ever came, it would have been hard, hard to see. So if John was the voice of the one crying in the desert... What was he crying out about? He was was, uh, crying out about the redemption that was to come, the glory that was to come. And who was he talking about? Well, he himself said, I'm talking about Jesus. So Jesus is that glory of the Lord that was to come. He was hailing the Messiah as the one to come. Now, remember in history class... So yeah, some of you are going. Ooh, I, I'm sure I took history sometime, but uh... well, here's what some people do in history classes. If you've forgotten, uh, do you remember doing a timeline, where you'd have all these events and you had to write write down on this long piece of parchment, <laughs> for some of you, <laughs> paper this long piece of paper, the dates and the events that, that went on, okay? And you would, you would put them where they belong, and that was a way of studying, and maybe you'd turn that in or be tested on it and, and so on. So, so here's, here's a question to ponder. Do you think the prophets, from what they knew from God here, would have had a harder and easy time Doing a timeline like that. And I'm going to quickly give you what I believe is the answer. I think it would have been hard for them to do a timeline. And to space out the events. Stay with me. here, Because here's why I want you to know that. Because what did the prophets see from their perspective? What did Isaiah see when he talked about the glory of the coming of the Lord... What they saw was kind of like if you're driving toward the mountains. Here's what I mean by that. You're far away from the mountains, and you see them. There's the mountains, and it usually looks like there's one mountain. One, you know, it's a whole range, but it might look like it's just one mountain. And then you get closer, and you begin going up and down and you realize oh wait we're in the mountains and there there's now there's mountains behind and there's mountains ahead of us and that's what we were seeing way back there but from way back there they all collapse on each other that's what the prophets saw so here's what Isaiah was looking at when he said the glory of the Lord uh, shall be revealed he was looking ahead and he saw that mountain range but what he was seeing was the coming of Jesus the perfect life of Jesus and at the same time he saw uh, that perfection leading him to the even the glory of the cross to pay for His redemption. And then in that same scene, he would see the resurrection and the ascension. And he would see him coming back again and reigning from the throne. And so as Isaiah looked ahead and he said, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And he did that in the context Therefore, there is comfort. Comfort for my people. So, from Isaiah, fast forward to, to Luke 2, you have Simeon. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. Listen to what he was waiting for waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. See what he was, he was in this difficult time. He had seen Israel's difficult background, but he knew they were God's people. And he was waiting. There will be a consolation that will come. There was Anna in the temple waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Until Jesus comes back. We live in a world of conflict, wars, violence, broken relationships, cancer, grief, and on and on. It's a fallen world. Remember, I said John Newton preached 50 sermons. His first sermon that was on this same passage is entitled The Consolation. And he was noting that, that the eye of the prophet's mind was fixed on the one that would one day come and relieve his people of their misery. And so I would ask you today, what is it that you have need of consolation for? There's so many kinds of pain where people need comfort. There is physical pain. There is pain because of our circumstances, job loss, grief, poverty, and so on. Pain because of the world we live in. You know, two of our focus areas right now, they, they all have uh, uh, things that cause stress and distress. All of our, uh, our places where we support global missions. But, but right now, Bulgaria and Ukraine, in Bulgaria, they're, they're about to take a vote whether uh, uh, it will even be legal for Christian workers to be there. In Ukraine, they're under martial law. These are our friends because of the world we all live in, where there's pain in our souls, family pain of all kinds. Isaiah. Isaiah points to the glory of the coming of Jesus and offers comfort for the mourners and says, you will be compensated for all your sorrow because of this. Messiah is at a hand, and it's Jesus. Let's bow together. Lord, whether we know it or not, that is our greatest need. For the, the consolation has come. And even now, for those who would trust in him is here. And so, Lord, help us to trust you. To trust Jesus. And be comforted. We pray this in his name. Amen.